Hello and welcome to the Body Electric Podcast, episode 3 for July 2nd, 2015. Um, my guest today is one of Canada's greatest masters of the guitar, Ted Quinlan. Uh, he's got ridiculous chops, he draws inspiration from jazz, rock, blues, and just about anything else he feels like. And uh, as the director of the Hummer College of Music program, he has mentored countless guitarists over the years, including myself. Um, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can email me at natehiltz at gmail.com, that's N-A-T-E-H-I-L-T-Z, or visit my website, that's nathanhiltz.com. Uh, if you're interested in hearing me perform, my trio with Pat Collins and Morgan Childs will be at the Rex every single Wednesday in July from 6.30 till 8.30. Um, thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. to get to do this. Yeah, nice I've been to have you. this series. Nice, oh. to, uh, nice to hear you guys play and uh, hear everybody's uh, take on this thing we do. Yeah, <laughs> totally, man. I'm so glad I could get you here. No, it's me good. too. I was yeah. uh, thrilled. Yeah. How's your summer? Uh, good, good. Yeah. Summertime, um, you know, doing, doing a few gigs and mm-hmm. uh, not teaching through the summer, so it frees up a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, that's nice. Cool. And, uh, you know, keeping just sort of the right amount of busy. It's uh, nice. it's great. Yeah. And, and, and you, Summer is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been gigging a lot. It's yeah. good. Can't yeah. complain. Yeah. yeah, I've been following you online, so <laughs> nice, nice to see you. We both like that be. Facebook, I think. We're both pretty on the Facebook, eh? It's kind of, you know, I mean, I guess it's kind of addictive, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I don't know. It's a real kind of sense of community. Yeah. And, and, and so many of our friends and peers are on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's funny that it started off as this thing for high school kids, but now it's like uh-huh. everybody we know is on there. So yeah, I mean, our culture, I feel like, is represented on there. I mean, you know, very well. And also a lot of people that I know that don't necessarily live in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you get threads going and it's friends in New York and B.C. and mm-hmm. Europe all chiming in on topics. Totally. So, uh, yeah. I think it's a good thing. Also, a lot of great music gets posted on there. I mean, that's how I knew about, uh, you know, about this, um, this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. It's just seeing because you posted it on Facebook. For sure. And then I reposted it. I thought, this is great. Everybody should check this out. This mm-hmm. is a, a happening thing. So there's a lot of music that I get hip to mm-hmm. because, of, because of Facebook. Amazing. This is the yeah. world we live in now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, um, how, I was going to ask, how many guitar students do you think you've taught and oh mentored? Have you ever tried to count no. how many? No. No. What a great question. Let, let me just think about this. If you figure, I mean, I've, I've taught a first-year master class for almost 20 years now. Um, I had one sabbatical year, so I didn't do it that year, so 19. Mm-hmm. So even if, I mean, a lot of people who've gone through Humber haven't necessarily studied privately with me, but most of them, aside from people who got advanced standing, were in that first year mm-hmm. guitar master class. Now there are two years of them, but it's the same, mm-hmm. the same people that go through them. So there are between 15 to 20 people in those classes every year. Mm-hmm. So, um, hundreds. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I could probably do the math. I remember, uh, you know, I was just thinking the other day, I remember uh, being a very nervous 18-year-old and coming up to Toronto to audition Mm -hmm. uh, for Humber. Yeah. And just scared, so scared, and I had, like, blonde highlights in because I liked Eddie Van Halen or something like that. And, uh, and, uh, 
you know, and so it was you and Emil Dion. And Emil. Emil and, was And the you actually played with Emil. I was just taking notes. That's and right. I, think, yeah, I actually yeah. remember your audition really well because we went, hmm, this guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'll tell you, you, you put me at ease. Like, I was so scared, but then you were just such a positive presence, you know? Well, like, it was just... I'm, I'm glad. Thanks for that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly aware that it's nerve-wracking. Nobody likes to be evaluated, especially when mm. there's kind of that much on the line. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you think of any time you've had to do an audition, or you knew it was a make-or-break situation, you were going to be judged on your performance mm -hmm. in this one thing, It's you, you kind of need all the help you can, totally. you can get. You totally. Know? So, yeah. I mean, hopefully we managed to create a situation where people can at least come in and relax as much as they possibly can mm -hmm. under the circumstances. So thanks for that. That's, yeah, that's, yeah that's you totally to did hear. that. You know? Good. And yeah, I think uh, you... You've been a consistently positive presence too. Like you know, I see you at clubs all the time. You know, like not a lot of the older players are necessarily out at shows all the time. And, I, you know? I guess I mean I still have kind of the same relationship with this that I that I always have. Mm -hmm. I mean, from from the time I started doing this, it's always obsessed me and and interested me, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm always curious to see what's going on and, mm -hmm. and and see what I actually wish that I could get out more than I do. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we've just come through a jazz festival and I've been, you know, kind of busy through it. So I've ended up just the logistics didn't work out to get to see a few things I would like to have seen. Sometimes they're out of town acts. Sometimes it's my friends playing. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I, I wish I could do more of it. But whenever I can, I do try to mm -hmm. get out. Um, I've been in this long enough now that I'm seeing a whole new generation. I mean, you know, people like yourself, people who used to be my students at one time, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago are out like owning the scene now and uh, it's, it's really exciting to see so I'm always interested to see and hear what people are doing. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, thank you for all that. You know, it's great. I mean, I think there's a lot of other guitar players that would would say that you've been a, had a really profound influence on them. Well, so. you know, that's nice to hear. I mean, I mean I'm ridiculously fortunate mm -hmm. with, with the gig that I have at Humber. It's, it's the coolest gig Mm -hmm. um, I've never tired of it. You know, as I was saying earlier, it's nice in the summer to have sometimes a little break from the full-time teaching just to focus on some of my own things mm -hmm. a little bit, but I'm always happy to go in there mm -hmm. every day. Um, I mean, it's kind of a cliche, people say you learn more from teaching than you actually put out, but, but I would actually have to agree with that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been turned on to a lot of great music by my students. Mm. And, you know, I mean, everybody's there for the right reason. Everybody's there because they're trying to get better at... Mm. And they had at, to fight to get there, too, you know? And they had to, that's right. Yeah. That's right. There yeah. was some, yeah, yeah, there, there were hoops that had to be jumped through. Yeah, so for it, sure. It's, yeah. it's sincere. And, uh, you know, I, I've ended up developing some long-term friendships with some of my former students, mm -hmm. you know. Um, What's not to like about it? Yeah, this? I like yeah. to think of it as like a, a brain, you know. Yeah. All those students are also passionate and hungry, and they're all over the internet trying to find all the music that they can, and, you know, and I, I can't, don't have the time to keep up with what's going on, so they expose me to so much. You know, you know well, I mean, you must be getting a charge out of teaching now, now for the last couple of years, oh, having yeah. gone through the program and now coming back, and, mm. and, and, and students, and I, I know the students really dig studying with you, mm. like it's really been, mm. you know, such a nice fit, but you're kind of mm. getting to see it from the other point of view, so it must be, it must be interesting for you. Totally interesting. Totally. Mm. A lot of love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool, cool. So what do you want to play first? Let's, let's do You Stepped Out of a Dream. Okay. You want to do the uh, Latin to swing thing? Um, or just keep it swing? Let's just swing it.
Yeah. Oh. Let's cut to the chase. Okay. We know we want to. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and just so our listeners know, yeah. um, Ted will be taking the melody and uh, the first solo on each uh, tune. But I doubt you'll be confused between... Our yeah. sounds are pretty different. Pretty different, yeah. 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 But it is good to clarify that, actually. Might as well. Who knows? Because yeah. sometimes you're listening to two guitar things, and yeah. and they can be similar. It's <laughs> a nice tempo. Beauty. Yeah. One, two, a one. Thank you. 
Especially when you're playing in the smallest possible band, like two mm -hmm. people, <laughs> mm -hmm. then it's just about locking in. And then if you can do that, it's easy to play. Like. You know, I think the time thing is really the most striking thing about your playing. Well, one of the most striking things. Like, it seems just so fluid and clear with you. And well, th thanks. It, it, nice of you to say. For, for me, it's the thing I struggle with, and still obsess about mm -hmm. and and find the hardest thing to find the consistency with mm -hmm. with with playing and when I listen to great players that's probably I mean the first thing I hear is their sound mm -hmm. and then the next thing I hear is 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 their feel mm -hmm. and I think as a young player I probably Maybe I took it for granted when I would hear great players. Like, that's just the way it's supposed to sound. Mm -hmm. And then you try to do it. <laughs> right, right. And, and just to get that, just to get things to groove consistently, and, you know, whether you're comping or, mm -hmm. or, or playing some lines, it's, yeah, I just have more and more respect for the great feels of the mm -hmm. players that I've always right. idolized. And it's the th it's the thing I I still woodshed all the time. Right. So would you say that that's something you're like still working on today? And that oh my god, yeah. absolutely. And how do you how do you approach it? Like to me, like I almost feel like you're a drummer on the guitar sometimes because it, like you kind of speak a rhythm. It's like the rhythms almost have primacy over some of your lines or something like that, or the lines are are forced to happen by the rhythms or something like that. Well, you're kind of saying all the right things. Yeah. I mean, that, that is exactly how I like to yeah. think of it. I'm, I'm way more concerned about the rhythmic shape of what I... I mean, you want to get right notes. <laughs> and you want to play some, some tasty lines. But at, at, at this point, I'm way more concerned about trying to have that rhythmic component mm. happening and happening in a strong way. And then it feels like almost as long as I'm hitting right notes it's gonna sound okay. Mm -hmm. It's gonna, I mean, I would rather hear a whole bunch of wrong notes played with a killer feel than the other way around. Right, right. You know, yeah, like the I mystery like, of Thelonious Monk or something like that is, you know, his rhythm is so beautiful, and the, but on paper the notes could look crazy. You know? Oh, well, what, I mean, what a fantastic example. Yeah. You know, I mean, what an incredible feel. I mm -hmm. mean, he can make everything work. So I think, I think that's the freedom we're all sort of going for as, mm -hmm. as, as improvisers, so mm. that's that's my obsession. I mean, I still practice with the metronome mm -hmm. all the time. My latest thing um, is that that I'm really into, and I, I thank Pat LaBarber for turning me on to this. Is Drum Genius? I don't know if you know this app. Never heard of it. It's it's a great app. I've got it on my iPad. It's all kinds of drum loops, and it sounds. There are records that are credited with being the sources of these drum loops. So it's like Jimmy Cobb on you know Freddie Freeloader or something. I don't know if it's actually the drum loops or if the guy, um, it's a guy from Italy who, who put this app together. I think he may have recreated the drum loops. And they're fantastic. They're really fun 
to play to. So it's just another way of, of actually having a kind of a surrogate drummer there mm -hmm. um, to cool. play along with. And uh, so, uh, do you spend a lot of time improvising, or uh, are you working on technical type of exercises? Or? Mostly improvising. Like, really? I, I, you know, mostly, I mean, that's my way of working on technique now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I work, I mean, I'm still obsessed with technique, but my approach to it is really different from how it was when I was, say, in my late teens or early 20s and, and just trying to get the guitar up and, and running. I, you know, I used to practice lots of scales then mm -hmm. and then also work on the content of what I was trying to play. Mm -hmm. Now I'm pretty much focused on, on content when I'm practicing and improvising. I'll go through little phases sometimes where I'm working on new fingerings for ideas that'll help open things up. So that's maybe more the way I think of technique now. Mm -hmm. And for, te for me, technique is inextricably linked with time. So if I'm working on time, I'm, like technique without time to me isn't really technique. Right. You know, if right. I, when I hear somebody say, well, he's got a lot of chops, but his time's kind of funny, I go, well, then his chops maybe are kind of a little questionable. Mm -hmm. So the two are completely linked to me. Right. Now, does so, that sort of answer the yeah, question? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it does. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, did, it, did a lot of learning happen for you on the bandstand as well? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. And, and still does. I mean, it, it, it's... I've learned so many tunes on, on the bandstand. Um, so much from the examples of the great players I've been able to play with through the years. I mean, especially when you're in a situation where you're out of your league, where you're playing. I've had a few opportunities to play with some of the great masters of jazz. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the thing I find in common, it's always scary to go into those situations because you feel like, I'm not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I guess in a way you're not, but you're the guy who's there, so, <laughs> so deal with it. But I, but I find with all of the fantastic players, there's an incredible clarity at the core of what they do that makes it seem really obvious in a way. Like, just do that, you know. <laughs> just I remember playing some tunes with John Abercrombie, who's always been one of my idols, and, and 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 he just makes it seem so easy and effortless and and musical. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh yeah, why am I why am I making it so hard for myself? Mm. Like just do what John does, and somehow a, li a little bit can rub off just by osmosis. I think by getting close to players, mm -hmm. but I learn from my friends all the time. I learn from the great rhythm sections I play with. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really kick your ass, you know. It's like yeah. you get to work with whoever, all the great drummers and bass players we have in town here. Mm -hmm. um, so, cool. and, and it changes the way you play, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I, I find I play a little different you know, depending on mm. who the drummer is on the gig. And mm. Yeah, like I find the, uh, the just going through the act of trying to make it work with a new player yeah. and finding you know the you know the balance between your expression and their expression absolutely is sort of like how you learn you're like okay I want to make you know this drummer happy yeah you know, I can see he's not happy right now and how am I gonna get him off get him going and let him feel good you know and then kind of that's that's all, all always mm -hmm. you know the, the way it is um, I record myself quite a bit when I play and I'll go I'll go through phases of, of recording gigs um, just to see how things are working out and, and, and to work on all those, to get a perspective on all those fine points, technique, time, mm -hmm. all, all of those things. And it's really interesting 
listening to recordings of 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 myself playing with this this rhythm section or that rhythm section, mm -hmm. um, duo gigs with different bass players, just how things sit and how the time works, mm -hmm. and you know, I think. Uh, Hopefully we always adjust somewhat to the situation. It's, it's, it's a conversation, so mm. we want to be getting along with each other mm. rhythmically. And everybody's got their little thing about where they, mm -hmm. where they like to put the time and how they like to phrase. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about um, when you were a younger player. Mm -hmm. um, did you, um, like at a certain point, did you find something like a, a, like a sort of approach to the guitar that was you found very fruitful? Like when did you kind of hit on something that that kind of you're like oh this is what i have to do to get where i want to be is there any yeah like as a younger player what what we what did you enjoy working on the most yeah you know? i mean you know when i was really young it was certainly all coming from i mean early on like i started playing when i was 11 so the first few years of playing would have been pop rock and then pretty quickly into the blues which mm. was kind of the blues were my gateway drug ah. and uh but, you know, I liked the Beatles, I liked all the, I mean, I'm a child of the 60s, so I grew up with all of that kind of British invasion that was happening, which led me very quickly to Jimi Hendrix, mm -hmm. Eric Clapton, which led me really quickly around the age of 14 to B.B. King, all the Kings, Freddie King, mm -hmm. Albert King, <laughs> of and and on and on, and, 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 and blues roots, so... I loved that, and then right around the same age, 14, I heard Wes Montgomery, and then Coltrane, and then Miles Davis, so so that was all the music that really grabbed me, and I had some lessons early on, but by, my, by the time I was 13 or 14, I was just trying to figure it out on my own, and it was pretty, it was just kind of by ear, I had no understanding theoretically certainly of what the jazz players were doing. Mm -hmm. um, but I would try to hear things and figure, figure them out. I mean, I feel like I've spent my whole life trying to work out those musical influences from about when I was 14. Wow. And I mean, I've added tons on to what those were, but just that, you know, it was an amazing for me, being a kid in the 60s and hearing radio, which was quite interesting actually at the time, you know, especially when you started having like what we used to call FM underground radio in the later 60s, where you would hear everything from the Beatles to Captain Beefheart to Coltrane to Tibetan monks chanting. You know, I mean, it was just, I mean, it couldn't last that long. It, it, it was too good. It was too eclectic. Right. And, and, in a lot of ways, my view was kind of formed in in that time, and, mm. and it's probably one of the reasons why I've resisted easy sort of just for myself in terms of my own tastes and what it, what it's like. I resist sort of easy stylistic classifications mm -hmm. of things. I I like um, certainly in terms of the kind of music that we're playing, like jazz, and 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 the roots of it is African Amer American music. I love to see the things that are in common between all of those styles of music mm. and to try to find that common ground and touch base with it, mm. if that makes any sense. Mm. And I think a lot of that was because of the way that I was first exposed to it, you know, kind of hearing all that great blues and jazz and R&B, you know, mm. and then hearing Bitches Brew when it came out and going, what's this? I mean, that was like... 
completely. I mean, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't relate to it. And then I went, oh, yeah, Miles has been listening to James Brown. That's what's going on here. Right, right. So that's where the cross-pollination mm -hmm. was happening. And I think I've always been fascinated by those intersections mm. in and, music. And so were the, were the first gigs that you had uh, in the blues sort of area? Or? Yeah, I mean, I played, you know, I played in little rock bands. And I, play, I, I played, when I was 14, I played in the blues band with some older, more experienced players. They were 18. They, they were the guys who got me into the Kings mm -hmm. and a lot of blues roots. And I used to, I, I grew up in Montreal, so I would do, um, we called them club dates there. Here we called them jobbing gigs. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were great. I mean, I couldn't read, but I had a pretty good ear, so I could fake my way through the stuff. I had some early bands as a teenager trying to play. I was a big fan of Frank Zappa, so we used to try to write music and do kind of some weird, I mean, I guess you would kind of call it fusion now, but mm -hmm. I hadn't heard that word at the time. Mm -hmm. We called it jazz rock, mm -hmm. and uh, I started music school at 18, and, and, and at that point I was getting much more serious about really trying to play jazz and learn how to play bebop and understand mm -hmm. those rules. Mm -hmm. And so you started playing some things that were standards at that? Oh, ab absolutely. Certainly yeah. by that time I was yeah. playing, you know, I, I was trying to understand the tradition and do research, transcribe solos. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some players that I met who were really formative to me at that time. Um, uh, Jane Fair, a great saxophone player here in town, and, and uh, Terry King, um, who's a jazz violinist, although now he spends most of his time playing electric mandolin. Um, great, great musician. And they were, I met them when I was around 18, and they turned me on to Jim Hall and Bill Evans and, and, mm. and Lee Konitz and Lenny Tristano and, and Sonny Rollins and Jim Hall, The Bridge, all kinds of great stuff. And they were playing that material and playing standard tunes. So mm. they um, hired me on to a gig, again, when I wasn't really ready for it, but, but, but it was a great chance to learn and to... Mm. Trial by fire, they say. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, how about we play another tune? Absolutely. Feels Sounds well, good. Feels well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, if, what do you feel like for this one? Do you want to do, um, what do you want to do, like medium tempo or do a waltz or uh, uh, Waltz might be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you want to play, um, yeah. Is that good? Yeah. What do you do on the last four bars of the first day? Is that, uh, um, I just, um, I don't do the semitone up to the tonic till the very last A. Okay. Till the very All end right. of the tune. Was, was that your question? I was actually thinking. There. That's the first A. That's right. The that's first A is what uh, I mean. You know what it is? It's. That's the end of the bridge. Yeah. It's like the down a semitone two five and then right. up. Okay. And then the bridge is a yeah. Yeah. Now, oh right. Yeah. Yeah, I was confusing the two parts. Yeah. Okay. Easy to do. I, and I'm glad we had this little talk. I'm glad we did. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, you yeah. don't do that and then you get in the middle and you're like, where am I? What am yeah, I doing? Yeah, yeah. No, th this was the right thing to do. Great. Is that
man. Save me a couple times. <laughs> Details. Lamp is giving me a little crackle. I'm gonna go dip an input. What a great sounding setup that is. Oh yeah. The, the, the gym hall through the through, through the Tweed Deluxe. Isn't that what Rudy Van Gelder had in the studio? I think it was a 5E3, like one of those Tweed Deluxes, mm -hmm. and that's what mm -hmm. Wes played through, yep. and, 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 and did Grant Green play through I that? I think Grant did a fair number of times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I wonder, Grant probably jumpered the two channels together to get uh, a little more You know, juice. I've heard there's one of the recordings, and it's one of the organ trio ones, to think of the organism where he kind of almost sounds like Sonny Greenwich on it. Like it, it nice. sounds like, like the amp is right, right on that edge there. It sounds like a Fender amp up around five or six, and it's kind of breaking up. And mm -hmm. uh, and he's getting this incredible sound, just a little bit of distortion, maybe not intended, but who cares? Mm -hmm. It sounded, oh yeah, sounded fantastic. Yeah, and he had pretty hot pickups, or like pretty the harsh. Uh, he was P nineties, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So. This this setup is you, you seem to be been on the uh, 335 for a little while, right? Quite, like yeah. like a good ten years, and yeah. and and it's um, I mean I'm always fiddling with this. This is uh, I mean I have a bunch of guitars like most guitar players. Mm -hmm. I'm always because I have pretty wide range of musical tastes. I'm trying to find a way to be as unschizophrenic as I can be about playing them, and. For me, I guess one of the main ways of, of doing that is to be able to have an axe that will kind of cover all of those bases. And this is what I've arrived at at this point in time. Mm -hmm. It's a great kind of, I mean, I really like it as a jazz instrument, and mm -hmm. it's a very flexible guitar, obviously. I mean, it was a very popular studio instrument for, mm -hmm. for, for a lot of years. And I can see why, and I think it probably came from jazz players who were looking for something that they could kind of cross over with a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I played solid bodies for a long time, but I've also played hollow bodies a lot. And, and I still, I have an ES-175, and it's been out of the case a lot in the mm -hmm. past year. I, I've had it out on a bunch of gigs, I've used it on some recording sessions. It's a beautiful instrument. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really love it, and, and it's certainly a more traditional jazz guitar um, mm -hmm. than the 335. So I, I've used it for circumstances where I felt it might be a better fit for the musical circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, How do you feel going between different instruments? It's kind of uh, weird. That's is there a bit of a curve on there? Always. I mean, on the other side of the equation, I play Fender Solid Bodies, too. I have a Tele that I play, and, and I have a Strat mm -hmm. that I play. And I played those guitars as my main instruments at one point for, for, for a long time, which is what I think led me to the 335. I kind of got hooked on the sustain of, 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 of the solid body instruments. Um, sometimes it's a fun novelty going back and forth between instruments a bit, because they will tend to bring out different things in your playing. Mm -hmm. I find I like to kind of stay with one for a while. Like if I have a week where I think, hmm, this gig on Thursday might be really fun to play the 175 on. Then I'll take it out, I'll play it a bunch, I'll maybe use it on a few other gigs, or if I'm at Humber I'll bring it in and, 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 and play it while I'm teaching, just to really acquaint myself with it, because mm. for, for me it's quite a bit of a different response. It's a more acoustic instrument than this is. The setup that I have on, I use slightly heavier strings on that guitar. Oh, really? I use, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a light setup guy, so it's the difference between the 11 to 49 set that I use here, which is practically a rock and roll set on this mm -hmm. guitar, 
and then 12 to 50 to mastics on my ES-175. Right. Those are fairly low tension, though, compared it's, it's, to other oh, flat well strings, compared right? to, I mean, almost everybody I know who plays jazz uses quite a bit of a heavier setup yeah. than, um, mm -hmm. than I use on my guitars. Although, interestingly, when I play, like if I play um, David Occupenti's guitars, um, he'll have 13s on it, but they're really easy to play. Mm -hmm. It's 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 so so I, I can relate to it. Um, I've always kind of favored lighter setups, although I've experimented with with heavier setups. Mm -hmm. And I, th you know, it's it's what we all go through. You're trying to find something that helps you get get your thing out. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of what I'm trying to do technically on the instrument is around having a fairly light touch mm -hmm. and and from my point of view it's more about being able to have good dynamics on the instrument it, it's a hard instrument to get the kind of dynamic range that you get especially on a horn mm -hmm. and like a lot of jazz guitarists I'm emulating horn players mm -hmm. with what I'm doing so I'm trying to find ways of dealing with those issues so with, with the guitar you really have to create the illusion of dynamics so for me, the idea of cultivating a light touch is sometimes I'll play harder, but then I can go softer from there too. So mm -hmm. it gives me kind of a middle ground where I can bring more dynamics into the line. Mm. Interesting. So that, that, yeah. that's, you know, that, that's my take on it. There's so many different, it's an electric instrument and, yeah. and an eclectic instrument. <laughs> well, you do have a very wide range of articulations, it seems like, w with your playing, like different kind of ways that you speak, different kind of flavors. That's, you know, th that's what I'm going for. And, and if I think of my models for that, Jim Hall would be a great example of that. I always love that in his playing. Um, I mean, I love that in all the great players. They all have that in their different ways. I mean, I mean, Wes had that with his thumb, like beautiful articulation and touch. Um, I like a lot of the modern jazz guitar players. I mean, I guess jazz guitar players of my generation, Schofield, Pat Metheny. Um, and they've, certainly a number of those players have taken a page out of the book of of rock guitar players using sometimes lighter setups and mm. bending notes and doing things that might be kind of coming more from there. And I think the innovation coming from the rock and blues end of it was the sustain and, mm. and, and, and that, that ability to, or, or that attempt to get the guitar to be as vocal as possible. So th th those are all of the different kinds of things mm -hmm. that I'm thinking about. So it's always kind of a balancing game between getting the sustain, getting the vocal thing, getting the dynamics, but having enough right hand pick attack that there's mm -hmm. percussiveness and rhythm in the sound mm -hmm. and, and, and trying to find some kind of happy medium between all of mm -hmm. those things. And, and variety too, right. I guess. Now, how does your, um, your kind of sound and your approach, um, how does that relate to your composing? Um, as a writer, um, is that is that something that you're busy with? Do you do you write much lately? Yeah, I, 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 I write. I've, I've been trying to write. I tend to write in fits and starts. I, I mean, I've done lots of writing through the years, and and the records that I put out have all featured mm -hmm. my original material. Um, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I heard John Abercrombie say, "I write to try to work out problems with my playing," and and oh. I, I think that could be one of the things. Um, I write sometimes to find different kinds of chord changes to play on. Mm -hmm. um, for years I never wrote tunes with two fives because 
it kind of felt like that was the tradition and I wanted to do something different. Mm -hmm. In the last five or ten years I've written a number of tunes that have that are certainly closer to the model of a standard tune with mm -hmm. with you know aspects of more conventional harmony. Um, in terms of the sound I go for it's I like to think of myself as a modernist. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like I'm rooted. I, I, I love the tradition. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to kind of find my own way with it. So the writing is usually somewhere in between. There will be elements of traditional harmony and then elements of, of non-functional harmony mm -hmm. in there. So I'm trying to find a sound and a technique that, that works with that. Mm -hmm. Right. With that kind of and answer. what instrumentation uh, have you been writing for lately? Like um, lately, I mean, it's interesting. Lately, I'm not even sure. I'm I'm kind of gearing up to do something, although I haven't quite figured out what it's what, what okay. it's gonna what it's gonna be yet. Though my last record was a trio record. I'm thinking maybe of doing something quartet with with piano, although I haven't really gotten much further than that in terms of an idea. Um, the first record I did was quintet with uh, with Dave Restivo was on it mm -hmm. and Phil Dwyer. And, and Ted Warren and Kieran Overs, and then it was just me and Ted on the last one. Mm -hmm. And then I did a duet record with Brian Dickinson, so it was guitar and piano, and I think we had the spirits of uh, Bill and Jim looming large when we mm -hmm. recorded that, kind Correct. of the, the template for guitar and piano in both our minds anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking about a few things. I'm thinking about instrumentation, but I'm kind of thinking maybe more about grooves and feels. So it, you know, I'm, I'm thinking what kinds, what kind of feels do I want to play on? Mm -hmm. So I think it's one of the reasons I've been enjoying this Drum Genius program because I mm -hmm. can, I can, go from jamming along to the Jimmy Cobb loop on Freddie Freeloader to uh, James Brown Sex Machine. You wow! Know? And 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 just right. kind of play around with ideas mm -hmm. and. Uh, I'm trying to get some ideas for for writing from that. Mm -hmm. I want to do something that's a bit of a departure, but I haven't figured out how much mm. yet. And certainly the sound of the instrument has a big has a big role in that. Uh, in your composition? I, th I think so. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. You know, I think I, I I think it does. I mean, I'm always fiddling with sounds. Mm -hmm. You know, I have like three pedal boards with stuff that moves around between. I'm not using any of that stuff right now. Just a bit of reverb on the amp. Um, this sound is my default sound. This is kind of my basic right. tone. But I like to get a really wide range of sounds. I'm interested. I'm, I'm a guitar geek. Yeah. I like. <laughs> I, I, I like all of that stuff. I'm still a kid with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and playing with those sounds will influence the kinds of things are right. If I pick up my acoustic guitar, my Taylor, I'll play something quite different. I might write something quite differently on that mm. than I would on the electric. Mm. Cool. So um, where are you performing soon? Like, is there any particular gigs that, you know, you really feel get you get to uh, say what you want to say on? Um, I mean, you know, there's a number of things I've been doing over the last couple of years um, that, that, that have been really rewarding and fun. Um, I've done a number of, of of quartet gigs with Mike Downs and his trio won the Juno ah, um, yeah. um, just just this past year. So um, with Robbie Botosh, um, Ethan Ardelli, also Larnell Lewis plays in that band. That that's been a really fun mm. thing to do. Also, Mike and I do quite a bit of duo playing together, usually at Mazetta here, mm -hmm. and, and 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 that's always a really fun um, outlet. Uh, I play in a quintet with Nancy Walker. 
and uh, Kieran Overs, Ethan Ardelli, and Sharantha Bedegui, and I love her writing mm. and her concept. And, and uh, those are bands where I feel I can really sort of do my thing, mm -hmm. in, you know, in terms of kind of the range of things I like to do and where I mm. really can, you know, can be myself. For the last couple of years, as you know, because you've done the gig, I've been playing with uh, the Canadian Jazz Quartet mm -hmm. on this, uh, the steady gig that they have at CAMA. We're on hiatus right now over the summer, but we went right up until last week. Um, that's been a ball. Don, Don Vickery on drums, and mm -hmm. Pat Collins has been playing bass, Frank Wright on vibes, and then different great guests every week. Oh, yeah. And I know you've gone in and subbed yeah, a few and times. Yeah, great food, too. I mean, everything. It's, Love the food there. It's a great gig yeah. and a really great opportunity to explore that material. And so that's been a ball for me. Really great for my playing to have a gig every week where I'm playing. Mm. I'm playing the American Songbook and I'm mm -hmm. playing jazz with a capital J mm -hmm. with great players and, and an audience and that great knows guests, what's going and on. An audience there. that knows they all know the what's tunes. Up, right? I mean, they're, you know, they're so informed. It's a complete. Mm -hmm treat so that's been really I was kind of wanting something like that and, and then it came along I, I, I thought I need to just be playing more tunes and standard material hmm. um, than I am these days I, I, I think I I found a kind of a neat niche for myself here in the city where I think I'm pretty wide-ranging in what I what I do and, and people will know that and hire me to do that and that that's fun for me I enjoy that kind of Mm -hmm. kind of range, but I really wanted to zero into playing more standard repertoire, and, mm. and, and this gig really gave me that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, I also um, just played some tracks on David Clayton Thomas's new record, and, oh, wow. and, and he, you know, he was always one of my favorites, you know, when I was talking about those early years of hearing music, I used to burn the grooves out on, on those Blood, Sweat and Tears records, so we've got a couple of gigs coming up at the end of the month, mm -hmm. and uh, and that'll be fun. And that's a record on which I played my ES-175. Great. And uh, so that felt like a good fit. Um, yeah, that's kind of a snapshot of some of the things right. that are great that are, that, that are going on. I play in John Cheeseman's big band, which is really fun, kind of electric band. And I rock out more in that band. Mm. You that's know. cool. Those it are the like, ones that come you know, to mind. You've got so many diverse influences it seems like that you're finding expression for all of those in the different types of work that you're doing you know? that's that, 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 that that's really what it is and mm -hmm. I think the challenge for me is when it comes to doing my own thing what's it going to be because it could change every five mm -hmm. minutes so it's it's always interesting to try to go okay let's let's focus in on something mm -hmm. when I did the trio record with Kieran and Ted that was I wanted to make a trio record so that was the focus mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm kind of working through that process right now um, at mm -hmm. home doing some writing um, doing my little home demos of tunes and mm. and, and, and practicing that way mm -hmm. and I'll come up with something <laughs> now now one, one other thing I wanted to ask you I was interested in do you have any comments on like uh, balancing life's your lifestyle with being a guitarist like in terms of keeping yourself healthy uh, keeping yourself relaxed um, you know I mean it's it can you can really get uh, crazy if you're gigging all the time teaching all the time wanting to practice all the time you know how do you how do you balance just like a regular life with being an artist you know I mean it's just about impossible as you know <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I, I don't know that I've really figured it out I mean 
I'm in a relationship, I have a home mm -hmm. life. Um, my partner is very, um, you know, she gets the arts, creativity. That's essential. I mean, if you're in a relationship, so important. Or um, I don't have kids. Most of my friends do, though. Certainly, many of them do. So it's balancing family life with that. I think it's essential to have a partner who understands what you're doing and kind of can relate to what a weird way it is to make a living. Mm -hmm. um, there are times when it feels like I'm just going all the time. And then there are times when things are a little slower and I'm going, man, I wish I was going all the time. Yeah. You know, it's like you're never satisfied. Right. And it's, I mean, busy musicians are happy musicians. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we burn out mm -hmm. a little bit. I'd rather have that problem mm -hmm. um, than sitting home being bored or, you know. Mm -hmm. I like to play a lot. So I'm usually pretty happy when I'm working. The balance between teaching and playing is fantastic. Right. Um, I think, you know, sitting with students in the daytime talking about music and playing music and then going to a rehearsal or a gig, they feed each other. It's, oh, absolutely. It's, 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 it's really nice. And then, you know, regular life, you know, being healthy, I mean, all of those things as I get older matter a lot more mm -hmm. to me. I think I heard a quote somebody said, I spent the first half of my life trying to kill myself and I'm spending the last half of my life trying to stay alive. <laughs> I'm in that I'm in that zone now. So mm -hmm. certainly, you know, taking better care of myself and mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, not burning the candle at both ends to the extent I might have when I was younger, those are really mm. important things to me. But it's it's challenging because we're freelancers. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you come home and the job's over. The job is... It's never over. It's yeah. never over. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of interests outside music, just general interest. I like to know what's going on in the music, I, 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 in the world. Sorry, mm -hmm. see, there you go. Can't yeah. get away from it. Yeah. I like to be aware of what's going on. I'm, I'm interested in politics. I'm, I'm interested in everything. I'm interested in the environment. Um, I like to read. Mm -hmm. I like to go to movies, I like to go to art galleries, I like to travel. Mm -hmm. So th those are just general interests in life. And, and, I and do you draw inspiration from these other interests? All of them. I, I mean, and sometimes right into music. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, I, I, I love going to art galleries and, and, and looking at art, and I often feel a real connection between that and music. So mm -hmm. I think we have to have something that we're playing about. And, and that's what we draw from our lives. And if it's all just music, it can be a little, it can be a little one-sided. Mm. And, you know, I think jazz is such a hard thing. It's such an all-engrossing thing. Most of us usually go through a phase where that's all we're thinking about for, for quite a long time. And then eventually you kind of go, oh, yeah, there's other stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And maybe I should look at that, too. And I think that that's what makes us who we are. Mm. And that's what informs our playing and actually gives us something. Mm. to play about mm. and I, I also like the idea that you know we are musicians mm -hmm. but then there's a wider community of artists and we are artists I, and uh, we're all sort of just trying to express ourselves and change the world in a way beautifully put and, yeah. and I really like to feel like I'm part of that wider community I mean lately I've been seeing that as artists we are an essential service 
Mm -hmm. You know, when I see the cutbacks that happen in the arts and the justifications for, for, for those cutbacks, it's, I, I think there was a time where I felt kind of defensive about it, where I kind of thought, uh, well, I guess, you know, maybe we're not as important as, as the police or the fire department. I mean, which, they're pretty important. They're very I mean, important. <laughs> don't get yeah. me wrong there. But then, what is our society about? What are we trying to achieve mm -hmm. as a people? And, and without, without the arts, what would we have? Mm -hmm. so, so now I'm taking the other tack, that we are an essential service. So mm. it's important for me to feel yeah. part of that community mm -hmm. in, in, in a broad way. Mm, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're all just involved in creation. We're all exactly. creative, creative yeah. you know? Yeah, and they feed yeah. each other. I mean, you know, the visual artists I know love music, are big mm -hmm. music fans, and often derive their inspiration, like play certain music when they're painting or when oh, they're yeah. sculpting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know when I just look at the various movements in art, you know, if I'm at whatever, the AGO, or if I'm in the MoMA, looking at things and the different movements, you know, I, I see certainly the comparisons between what's gone on in music, both mm -hmm. in, in classical music, 20th century classical music, and then in the way that jazz has taken all of those advancements and kind of compressed them into a hundred years. So I'm often thinking about those things mm -hmm. as a player and as a writer. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't wait to hear what you do next. Yeah, me of, too. Uh, recording well, project. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> nice to get a little bit of the, uh, you know, in on the ground floor a bit and hear what's going on. Well, it's, it, it's the process. It's never easy, but I'll figure something out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's play one more tune. Okay, great. Yeah. We want to play like a... You and the night in the music? Was that a, that sounds a good. topic of consideration there? A little bit of coffee here. Maybe I'll do that too. Just because we care. Why not? <laughs> Is it being a bit funky? Yeah, I don't know. It's just today it's like, ah, oh, I think I'm going to crackle a little bit every time I play a low note. Yeah. I notice my volume pots a little kind of. Oh. Now it's fine, but. What tempo are we thinking for this? Um, I don't know. You want to play Burn One Down? Would that be weird? Sure. Yeah, just Let's do it. Just like, just right. quick. I like it.
Thing to get to do. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.